You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Big Star, Third, Sister Lovers. On the line, I have Rob. What's happening? Ben. Hello. And Kyle. Hi there. Third is the third album by American rock band Big Star, released March 18th, 1978 by PVC Records. The producer was Jim Dixon, and the genre is power pop. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Jason Anke. A shambling wreck of an album, Big Star's third slash sister lovers ranks among the most harrowing experiences in pop music. Impassioned, erratic, and stark, it's the slow sinking sound of a band falling apart. Recorded with their label Stacks, poised on the verge of bankruptcy, the album finds Alex Chilton at the end of his rope, sabotaging his own music long before it can even reach the wrecking crew of poor distribution, indifferent marketing, and disinterested pop radio. His songs are haphazardly brilliant, a head-on collision between inspiration and frustration, and the album is a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, each song smacking of utter defeat and desperation. The result is either one of the most vividly emotional experiences in pop music or a completely wasted opportunity. While the truth probably lies somewhere in between, there's no denying Third's magnetic pull. It's an undertow. Originally appearing under the name Third on PBC Records in 1978, Ryko Disc's 1992 release is the initial definitive edition of this unfinished masterpiece. Its 19 tracks most closely approximate the original plan running order while restoring the music's intended impact. In addition to unearthing a blistering cover of the kinks till the end of the day and the haunting rendition of Nature Boy. It also appends the disturbing Dream Lover, which distills the album's messiest themes into less than four minutes of psychotic torment. All right, what do we think of Big Star, Third Sister Lovers? I think it's great. And I think I have an asterisk by by that. Yeah, I'm not for this album. I'm not. I'm not into it. Whoa! Wow! No, it feels uh, the that write up the wasted opportunity. It uh, sort of rattled around in my my brain. It felt like a self sabotage of an album. It's not that it wasn't there. It's that it didn't seem like they wanted to to do it. So this is after Chris Bell parted ways, right? What I'm curious about is what I read was, so the remaining members of Big Star, Alex Chilton and Jody Stevens, were recording 
new material, but they weren't necessarily recording new big star material. In fact, at the time, they were both dating sisters. Yes. And the the tapes that they were recording were labeled under the working title Sister Lovers, as in, like, without Chris Bell, we're no longer big star. We are now this duo called Sister Lovers. So I was wondering... If that's what the two dudes left in the band thought, how is this considered a big star album? Marketing. <laughs> it's a marketing decision. Have you ever listened to the the Chris Bell's first solo album after leaving uh, Big Star, I'm the Cosmos? It's a big star record. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It sounds more like Big <laughs> yeah. Star than Big Star 3rd sounds like Big Star. Yeah. It, not, not that Big Star 3rd doesn't sound like Big Star. You know, like Alex Chilton definitely the voice of a lot of the stuff that you recognize with Big Star. But I didn't realize how much Chris Bell contributed to the sound until I listened to his solo album. And I was like, oh, all, so many of those like hooks and melodies and stuff that I cling on to in Big Star songs, those were Chris Bell contributions. Mm-hmm. So I like this, but it, it, it's weird because like it's called a Big Star album, but it's not really a Big Star album. It's called Third. It's called Sister Lovers. They didn't finalize a track listing until like 15 years after it came out. It's like kind of this, it's like this album in purgatory. It's not really anything, but I'm glad that it's out and whatever version it is, because in my opinion, there's some good stuff on here and it is kind of a train wreck, but you know, you know me, let's watch it. I think this, this suits as a B-sides of Big Star or a outtakes demos of Big Star. It doesn't feel like I should be talking about this as an album, as something that's an official release. Also, I think this book is kind of pulling one over on us because it's a, this is acknowledged as being this album, but it's not really this album. Like It's the 1992 album. So it's hard to it's it's very strange to talk about it in the context of 1978. But obviously all these songs were recorded at that time. So here we are. I just don't feel like it it goes in this. I feel like half the time it's it's a real song. And then they're just like, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. No one in the studio quite knows what to do and they are having just a good time messing around playing covers doing odd things uh whereas sort of neil young got away with doing his his (laughs) weird spiritual journey within the context of the studio i feel like this is well he he had a sherpa rusty kershaw exactly feeding him (laughs) honey sliders I feel like this one is just what the hell is going on a part of, part of the time when I'm listening to nighttime and there's just a tambourine off beat, like in the background recorded in the other room. <laughs> it, it It's like someone just walked into the room and thought they'd join in on the, the song and a part of the song sound like that, which is disappointing because I think, I think the inspiration for the songs and I think what could have been is throwing me off. Mm. I like how you characterize it as having a good time because this album is <laughs> yeah, not a good true. time. <laughs> yeah, what what was Alex Shilton going through other than his band dissolving at the time? Does anyone know? He basically, well, he was fighting with 
the sister the sister lover at the time. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that because she recorded a lot of backing vocals and he deleted them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was just bummed out because peaked at 16. No one had given him a chance. No one gave the band a chance. I mean, no one was pushing the records like they should have been. If they would have been That pushed, is a fact. Yeah. If they had pushed that first album into the into the pop charts, I mean, they would have been famous. And I feel like he, it feels like a wasted, I think yes. he was just disillusioned. They did him dirty. They did him dirty. Yeah. Yes. Fucking stacks. <laughs> there are entirely too many great songs on this to, for me not to dig it. I, I, a yep. big star for me is like a desert Island band. And oh, th- this has, yeah, absolutely. And th- this has, way too much going for it for me to uh for me to dog it too much like warts and all like i fucking love this record like the uh the 92 reissue compared to like the uh the 78 uh like the 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 track listing on that like i guess the aurora uh uk lp sequencing fucking sucks It's just, it's Terrible. so bad. It, it makes me, it, when I tried to listen to it, I just got mad. <laughs> I just got mad at like how it was just herky jerky flow. And maybe that's because I'm so used to the 92. I just can't disassociate the other uh, things, but no, like it, 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 it bothered me like by core. Yeah. It sounded like they wanted to present it more as a birds esque uh, album from that track listing. Dare. Yeah. Hey, we're listening to Jesus Christ right now. Tell me that's not the fucking birds. It's very birdsy. Uh, has anyone got heard a big, the uh, monkeys cover of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I have not. No the cover of this. They, they, they this covered this it. Track? Yeah, they covered it two years ago. The monkeys had a 2018 Christmas album and they, they covered Jesus Christ on it. Okay. So <clears throat> is this song ironic? Is this like a satire of Phil Spector Christmas album? Like with the timpani? I didn't know what to hey, make of this Hey, Phil Spector's not a satire, man. It's just, I don't know what to make of this song. Is he being it's earnest? It's a Christmas song. Christmas songs are always good money, man. <laughs> is it, though? I, yeah. Dude, there's, there's so much dark There's sleigh bells, Kyle. There is sleigh bells. Sure, sure, Ben. I know, I hear them. Jesus Christ them was too. born this day. How is that not a Christmas song? No, I, yes. All the hallmarks are there, my friend. But I feel like this is like a like a satire this Every album's glam so dark. had to do a Christmas song. This was it Big true. Star's Christmas song. <laughs> it just sounds like he's rolling his eyes the whole time. Like, you know what also sounds like he's not into it is Femme Fatale. Oh, I uh, love, I love the their version of Femme Fatale. I love this version. No, I like, I like, yeah. the, I like this version. I don't like it at all. I think it's, I think it's a. Uh, it I just think that is, Alex Chilton sings better than Nico. It's a lackluster. Uh, presentation of the song i just it just doesn't do it for me does the I'm, I'm velvet underground version of the song in, invigorate you <laughs> in yeah. some way yeah, with, with 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 nico's electric performance yeah what a clown <laughs> what a clown at least she knows the words <laughs> i can't figure out what uh what the singer is singing when she says uh She's a femme fatale. She says something that is not the the right words. Listen, everything that they touch. Yeah, I, I don't know what what the 
what the 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 call the response of the call and response is there. I think it's everything that they touch. Pretty sure. <laughs> you guys see who's playing guitar on this track? No, I did not. It's Memphis's own Steve Cropper from the MGs, the Memphis group. Hey. Which makes sense, you know, stacks. Yeah, he's got these he's got uh, those soul man guitar sex. licks. Holocaust. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is a fucking great song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get I'll give it up for some of the songs that the looseness works with where the sparseness feels right. Holocaust is definitely one of those. I think Jesus Christ is a good song too. Uh, and there's some others that have that sort of symphonic pop sensibilities, but what do you think of uh, you, the Kinks cover, Birch? We're hearing uh, some Kinks covers this week. It's okay. Yeah. yeah, till the end of the day. Yeah, I just I love that song. the the the, the Kinks version of that song is one of my favorites. One of my favorites. It's just such a rocker. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but again, power this, chord rocker. This has how many covers? It has a uh, four, four or five co- covers that just don't don't feel like uh, they're really necessary for this album. I, I don't know. Uh, I was going to ask about Nature Boy. Do you think Boz Lorman included that in, that song in Moulin Rouge based on uh, Eden Abez's original version? Or do you think he put it in there because Big Star covered it and then Bowie covered the Big Star cover of it? Well, everybody covered the Nat King Cole version of the song because Nat King Cole made it popular. Fair enough. So I think that <laughs> Bowie and yeah, Moulin Rouge covered the Nat King Cole version. Uh, I did do some reading of uh, Eden, and he was a weird dude. He was just living under a bridge when he wrote that song, and he got somehow got backstage, gave it to Nat King Cole's uh, manager. Nat King Cole heard it, and then he was like, this is great. We got to find who wrote this, and they had to track him down under a bridge. Just a nature boy. <laughs> Gotta pay that troll troll. <laughs> yeah. He was just eating like grapes and apples and nuts because he was a weird hippie living in uh, California, <laughs> which so makes perfect sense that's with that real song. weird. Like, yeah. Just a crazy hobo. <laughs> yeah. With a bridge dwelling hobo. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard a more bitterly sarcastic song than Thank You, Friends? <laughs> I do love that. Just secreted bile. I was just like, oof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made it so probable. <laughs> so, oh. And yeah, he, he's absolutely right. This band should have been like bigger than Jesus. Yeah, he was a bitter dude. Every he, well, single he, child he had, screams for him, though. All Big the Star definitely children. should. Big Star should have been way bigger than they were in their day. But also, Alex Chilton, he 
he was he remembers success you know he in front of the box tops he was a teen idol and mm-hmm. he's been on the top the, the top of the pops and then he's releasing this like more mature music and it just can't get traction that would be incredibly frustrating also how come when he's a teenager he sings like he's like 60 and then in big star he he's got like a like a nice like pretty like voice a teenage voice <laughs> like give me a ticket for an aeroplane <laughs> uh he's got that disease where you age backwards he, oh the benjamin buttons yeah <laughs> the curious case of benjamin's butthole <laughs> i've seen that that documentary is that the movie you're making about me rob <laughs> making about you <laughs> I lived it <laughs> I will say like I heard a lot of bands um, just Braggart. like I heard Radiohead <laughs> Big Black Car um, I think this was a very very influential record mm-hmm. it definitely was brought back in 1992 after a lot of bands were pop- popping up like R.E.M. um yeah, Radiohead and some of those other bands, I think they realized that, oh, what's, yeah, especially on Ryko disc. I mean, that has a very similar feel as uh, a lot of this stuff, Mission of Burma. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I don't disagree with that. I just feel like the execution on this album just feels like they, they didn't know uh, where to go. And it feels like a missed opportunity to me. It like when I listen to the songs, the songs feel a bit unfinished or a bit. What would you say? Do you think that he had to like handed write out a contract or anything? Oh, well, they were just using the studio. I think it was an intentional use of the studio because they didn't care anymore. And Alex Chilton just wanted to bring a bunch of people in, hang out in the studio and just use all that time. It wasn't it. That's the other thing is that's exactly what it feels like to me, too. Even if I hadn't read the backstory, it just sounds like someone who who got into the studio and just like, ah, whatever. Bring bring your friend. He'll play tambourine on this song. There's parts in these songs that just feel like they've been sabotaged or something. They don't. I don't know. Parts will just come in and out. And it feels so disjointed, especially from a from Big Star, who's who's has that real clean pop sound. I don't know. Were you a fan of that uh, Neil Young record we did, Tonight's the Night? Not Tonight's the Night, but I was a fan of On the Beach. Absolutely. Yeah this th- this feels the same way that Tonight's the Night felt. Yeah, I agree. just like just a bummer time in the studio, and it. Apparently, like the studio session lasted forever. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm I, work out your issues, man. I've never had that money. <laughs> no, no, me neither. I try to get out of the studio as fast as possible because I don't want to pay people money, or I'll watch some dude's kid forever in the hopes that he'll maybe I don't know come back and record us and or master things for us because. Oh. For all Big Star's bad luck that they had as a as a band, they were around Stax Records when it was folding. So I guess they were yeah. able to hang out at the studio. 
Yeah, they, they definitely were there to watch it fall apart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're like, and I helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they they tried to like they, they how that how that first record man. didn't that what what how oh yeah. It's been it's been a minute since we talked it about was, it. Like it, it was a distribution problem. People wanted to buy it and they could not get it because stacks couldn't distribute they, it. Like I think ten thousand records exactly. for the initial run. Yeah. And then didn't send it out to stores. Yeah. And it, it, it so only like got it, traction because of uh, so getting critical European review. imports. It yeah. was called. It was on like two best of the year album charts. You know, it it was on lists. People reviewed it and said it was great. People wanted to buy it. They just couldn't. And get they the couldn't. Record. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Yeah. After a while, John Fry pulled the plug on the album. Uh, it reached a breaking point when Alex pulled pulled in on a drunk drunken uh, street to sing a soused version of Jerry Lee Lewis's whole lot of shaking going on. Fry later claimed that the sessions turned quote perverted, which might be a, <laughs> might be a reference to the run, run of the mill late night seediness, but might have a deeper meaning. Uh, it said too that the, at least the producer was willing to go there with him. Um, a lot of the other producers wouldn't mess around with what Chilton was trying to do in the studio. So, um, I think that's cool. I mean, again, I think this is a, it's a B-sides. It's a off the cuff. I mean, it doesn't sound like they even wanted to release these songs. They just wanted to do the stuff in the studio. Am I off on that? or? They sure didn't seem to take an initiative. Yeah. Until the 90s. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's why I have a hard time with it. I think that's why I'm disappointed or, or just, a little put off by the songs is it feels like they they had given up and the did that's <laughs> what they did that's why I was so confused about that Jesus Christ song thinking that it was a satire because <laughs> dark dark night of the soul get me out of here I hate it here nighttime um, <laughs> got a song about his fake friends that were never there you know uh, kangaroo <laughs> You guys want to talk about kangaroo? Let's talk to me about it. I want you like a kangaroo. Does he want I, you I went like down a, wants a kangaroo or does he want you like a kangaroo wants you? There's a million different ways to parse this, Ben. And I, I looked, I went under the forums, you know, and I listened to the snooty fans um, argue with each other about the meaning of these songs. Consensus is that kangaroo is actually about Winnie the Pooh. Uh, or oh, like Kanga and Roo. That would make sense. Why they, because why apparently, they I haven't listened, but apparently there's a live version where he just slips in like Winnie the Pooh or something like at the end. Kangaroo's a marsupial. Maybe he just wants to sister. I don't know. Like I was wondering why they spelled it like they did. Uh, space in between Kanga and Roo. But if it was a Winnie the Pooh reference. It'd be Kanga and Little Roo. Mm-hmm. You're the donkey. Then there's Owl. And most of all, Tigger. <laughs> Most of all, Tigger. They, they love Winnie the Pooh in the UK. I know this for a fact. Yeah, but well, the Alex from Jones Memphis. is from Memphis, babe. Babe. Wait, wait, <laughs> Memphis, <what>? babe. <laughs> yeah, big stars from Memphis, dude. <laughs> Hold on. Hem, hem, I'm sorry I called you babe. <laughs> I, yeah. It's in the, in the city. Uh, anytime, anytime you say babe. Memphis, you have to say babe afterwards. <laughs> 
Uh, like I was uh, the song Odana. What do you guys think of that song? I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot too. Super horrifying lyric. Um, I don't have it written down, but I think it's like I'd rather shoot a, a woman than a man. Uh, a bunch of these lyrics were just crazy shit that this uh, uh, what's his name? Alex Chilton. He had yeah, he had a crazy friend named Dana, and he would just write down crazy shit that she said. You know, when she was fucked up. And that's where these lyrics came from. Classic. You know, the phrase, I'd rather kill a woman than a man, coming from a woman is different than coming from Alex Chilton. I, I love this record. I, I know it's, it's weird. Um, I know that it's a place, but I feel like that's where the good stuff comes from. You know, this dude's desperate. He, he fear he feels his, you know, his his empire is crumbling and he, you know, and he's got weird friends coming in and shaking a tambourine off beat or something, you know, like <laughs> cider art. But it's I don't know. It's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Maybe that's it. It's fascinating, but I don't. <clears throat> We're talking about these as albums, you know, so I have to take in a whole lot of shaking going on in the same breath. I take hol- Holocaust. So I, and I had to take an uninspired, in my view, of Femme Fatale with a really, you know, the song we're listening to now for you. So it's, I feel like that's what gives it character to me. It's one of the most uneven albums we've ever done. I feel like (laughs) everything in the kitchen sink. Do you think they were frowning when they dragged the timpani in for that song? Like, (laughs) like why? That's also interesting that they chose some of these, uh, these lavish productions, but then on other songs, it's like they didn't care to, you know, re-record if the drums were off or the guitar was off. So you, it's a half and half almost. You're getting sometimes they feel like they're spot, like they've rehearsed this song a hundred times, and other times it feels uneven. like they didn't, they didn't rehearse at all. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say that's I, I hate to keep harping on it, but I think that's why I'd, I don't I don't like it is because you got to pick you got to pick a lane kind of for me. Is it loose and and uh, sp- sparse or is it tightly constructed and elaborate in I've this way? I always I liked these. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but these more difficult 
working it out in the studio albums that we've covered, like back going back to like like Skip Spence with Orr. I I like the I really like the Warts and All rock album, especially when it comes from people with with, with good natural talent. Like, is this Alex Chilton at his best? Maybe, maybe not. But like, but Alex Chilton is a very talented songwriter, performer, singer, and just and he's also got a very complicated personality. So hearing these like warts and all recordings, I would almost always rather hear this than than a, a, a so polished I can't you know fit fit a hair between the cracks album. Yeah, yeah, totally. How would you feel if we dropped, uh, say, around six songs off this? I feel I would feel better. I think. Yeah, nineteen's too many songs for me. This album's too long for me. I, I don't dislike any part of it, but it's like I, I still need to kind of like take it in doses, and I shouldn't have to take an album in doses. An album should be a dosage size. Yeah, I don't want to do that though. This, this has got a lot of really great tracks on it. <laughs> I think this is the only Big Star album I've ever heard. Oh, dude! Really, dude. Kyle? You I'm, at are, least at least I'm number, number, number one record. Guys. Oh my god. Kyle, you have heard number one record. You just don't know it. You've been around to us. You might not know the songs by title, but you'd no, recognize the melodies. Number one record. It's called Number One Record. Just listen to it. Never heard of it. That 70s show? Uh, oh. Hanging out in the street. That That's off of uh, Number One Record. The version you're familiar with, though, is Cheap Trick covering them. I will listen they, to Big Star tomorrow. I think it's worth mentioning the 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 hubris hubris of their first two album titles because you know they should have been huge and they thought they were gonna be huge. So you know the the debut record, number one record, their follow up disc, Radio City, and by the and and then by the third one they're like uh uh the it's it's third. (laughs) They didn't call their second record Sophomore Slump. Both of them should have been big. Neither of them were big in, in the contemporary uh, sense. But uh, yeah, number one, number one record and Radio City should have been pop standards. This is actually my first time listening to Third Slash Sister Lovers. And I like it warts and all. I like it warts and all. I think that they're in like a diamond in the rough type of way. I think there's some really beautiful songs in here and I don't know. I, I mentioned earlier in this, I, I would always rather hear rough around the edges than, than, than polished to too much of a sheen. Uh, and with bands like this, I wish I'd I enjoy this and I'll revisit it. Positive for me. God damn this fucking record. It, it just, it, it moves me. And yeah, there, there, there's, there, there's a couple of stinkers on here. I, I, I could definitely saw off the last four songs from the 92 and, and be happy enough. But, you know, I do like the till the end of the day cover. So I'm not going to say that fully, but time. What a sad song. Ooh. <laughs> what a sad song. Also, very sad. Uh, uh, I am a little unfamiliar with Alex Shilton's uh, solo stuff. Uh, kind of woefully so and I'm interested if we get any more Alex Chilton to see how it holds up to third sister lovers 
Um, because you're you're right that this isn't so much a big star record as it is, you know, what that else is. Like I am 100% on board for, and I would recommend this to just about anybody. So total positive for me, and uh, yeah, I'm gl- I'm glad we at least got two two big star records out of this. Mm-hmm. Chilton went pretty uh, avant garde solo, exploring the room, man. I'm okay with it. <laughs> A uh, big fan of this record. Uh, so earnest. Uh, love to hear, you know, out of, I know I've said Dark Knight of the Soul, but there's so much stuff on here. This this is my favorite record. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Fence record. But this one really, um, really hit me. Um, coronavirus, we're all stuck inside. I miss people. I miss doing things. Um, I've felt this record a lot it was haunting uh it was imperfect i i don't know i like this record a whole bunch uh but having said that you guys also learned that i'm not a big star fan so uh maybe my i believe you are you you just haven't figured it out yet this song from that 70s show (laughs) uh yeah, I'll just go neutral on this. It's just for all the reason they mentioned before. It just feels kind of unfinished. It just has great, really good ideas. It just feels like a album that never, never was, and it doesn't. Uh, I feel like they could have made these songs into a really, really special album, and it just doesn't. Uh, some of the performances aren't there for me. Recorded pretty well, I will say, um, except I guess for that's a, that's another thing. Some of it sounds recorded really professionally, and some of it sounds loose. So, do you, do you want to uh, do you want to start the band that uh, Reed does this correctly? <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I would love if they sort of re-recorded and recreated all these songs. I mean. <sighs> There is something to be said about an unfinished quality of music and how that is perceived. But when I when I know a band like Big Star, it's it's like I know what they're capable of. And this doesn't it just doesn't feel like them. It feels like a different band. All right. Next time we'll be talking about the residents. Duck Stab. Buster and Glenn. Was a boy. Thanks, y'all. A very strange, enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far. Sad of us.